0: Welcome to The Drawdown, a podcast by Cherry Beckert's Private Equity Practice. In each episode, we explore the latest trends in the private equity sector, as well as challenges and opportunities in the ever-changing investment environment.
1: Welcome to The Drawdown. I'm Cameron Smith. I lead business development and client service for Cherry Beckert's Private Equity Practice. Today's podcast is going to dig into digital transformation for middle market private equity. I really enjoy this topic because we've been spending more and more time working with funds and portfolio companies on digital projects, but the conversation with clients is really starting to evolve more into digital strategy. With that, I'd like to welcome some of my favorite Cherry Becker colleagues who are in the quote unquote digital weeds on a daily basis. Nita Sanger, A director in digital transformation and innovation with 25 years of experience helping private equity funds and portfolio companies in creating digital strategies to help facilitate growth and optimize business operations. She spent 14 years in big four accounting and is also the former head of global innovation for an international legal services firm. Also joined by Dan Hewlin, a director in systems and processes, has over 30 years of experience in global IT and digitally enabled systems and organizations. Dan leads Cherry Beckert's digital diligence and post-close integration team that focuses on IT system migrations and optimization strategies for private equity. Last but not least, I'm with Steve Holliday, a director in our fractional CIO and COO services team. Steve is formerly the chief information officer of a $700 million publicly traded manufacturing company and has over 30 years of IT operations and business process improvement experience. Steve is also a certified information security manager and a Lean Six Sigma master black belt, which is super cool. Welcome Steve. So I'm gonna stop talking. I really wanna hear more from this experienced group of pros. So let's dig into digital for private equity. Nita, I'd like to start with you. In Terry Beckert's recently published U.S. Middle Market Private Equity Report, you said that by optimizing portfolio companies with digitalization tools and strategies, private equity funds can accelerate profitability and growth. What does that mean? What is digital strategy? What does it entail? Technology, systems, software? What is it?
2: Uh, thanks, Cameron. So when what we were talking about there was, you know, when we talk about digital strategy, we are actually talking about business strategy that's enabled by technology and data. So if you take a step back, private equity is usually, you know, obviously invest in companies because they're expecting to have to invest in companies that are going to have a high growth potential and then they have different strategies that they actually acquire companies for. Some of them, they do a platform play and want to then do roll-ups and add on other similar companies like we've seen a lot of in healthcare. Or in other cases, they're acquiring a company and then want to add on adjacent services. So from a private equity perspective, it is what's the strategy that they're following? And then from the company's perspective, that is the the target that's been acquired, you're going to be looking at, okay, so what is it that they're going to be doing to achieve the kind of, uh, the revenues that are expected of them. And when we talk about a a business strategy, which is enabled by technology and data, we are saying that the business should be looking at who are your clients? How are you targeting them? How are you going to market? What is the experience that you're providing to them, which is customized to them? Then it's what are your products and services that you're going to be offering to them, which is you know, is it a software as a service model? Is it there is there some other model that they're following? Or, and then it is, how do you operate? And in operations, it's like, how do you optimize your operations? Which is, is there a more effective way? Can you use technology to streamline your operations? Are they parts of your businesses that can be sent out as a managed service? Or you can actually look at fractional talent. You might not want to bring in full-time talent. You can bring in fractional talent or you're giving some of the work to, sh- to shared service centers. So when we talk about a, a business, when we talk about the digital strategy, you're saying you need to look at all these different aspects and then how do you use technology and data to meet your customers needs more effectively to make your people more effective and then how you operate as a business. So in some ways we always say technology is the enabler of change and not the driver. So we have to think that uh, think about that in this holistic fashion.
1: Got it. Thank you. Um, Dan, um, to build on that with regards of, to some of the tools Nita mentioned, um, you, know, you and I have worked on a number of projects together for private equity and portfolio companies, name it, IT, cyber, business process, ERP implementations. You know, it seems middle market private equity, when it comes to technology, system solutions, et cetera, it does feel strategic, But it also feels very project based. Um, so help me merge the two concepts. Is it the project-based mentality in digital, maybe uh quote unquote digital 101? And and getting more towards a an overall strategy like Nita describes, more you know, next level 2.0.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that, Cameron. So um Looking at the typical sets of work uh, that begins in a private equity setting in, in acquiring new businesses, you know we are very familiar with that life cycle of acquire and optimize and realize. We're very familiar with the the need to um, accelerate that timeline. So if a PE firm can't acquire and accelerate their timeline to realization to three years or for you know max four years, not stretching now to seven. That's very important to them and ensuring that their multiples go up and their base for EBITDA and so forth goes up along the way. And so, taking uh, those principles that Nita just talked about in digital transformation and applying them within this context, um, it starts out very tactical. You know, things that you just mentioned there. Um, You know, we start out with due diligence, um, and in those, we're looking across the spectrum of the companies systems uh, whether they be an ERP system or they're perhaps a software company and we're taking a look at their software does it scale um, is it of good quality is there a lot of technical debt those types of things and then we're laying out a preliminary plan uh, of investment over the next you know two to three year time period that is going to professionalize uh, the organization and and situate them for for growth and I, I do want to speak to a little bit of that time of that that life cycle or that timeline, you know, we understand that um, the first step, and Nita was mentioning this about fractional-type services, is you need to get the right people in the right seats, right? Without the right people leading from the chief executive to the chief marketing to the chief human resources or culture uh, persons and so forth, you're not really going to go anywhere. So that's a critical first step and of aligning that portfolio company to the PE's goals. And then, as we kind of move around that timeline, the optimization of the portfolio and uh, its operations and performance. We'll get into tactical uh, work such as looking at their current ERP and financial systems. We'll look at their um, whether or not they can. Let's say let's say they're a product company, and are they able to go to market online? Uh, are they hitting all the different markets that are available uh, for them, not just their public website, but If you're not also paying attention to Amazon or Walmart or these other venues to drive sales, then uh, it's important that your core ERP and other solutions are going to drive that information out. That gets to that integration and data. Um, You know, Nita mentioned about uh, utilizing data uh, to inform your business. So one of the ways is in recognizing the market opportunity, recognizing how your customers are interacting with you and even collecting more information about those customers so that you can design and and, uh, uh, rethink about pricing and placement of your products. Now, ultimately through that cycle, putting the right team, optimizing the portfolio, um, integrating data and systems and recognizing market is you're also trying to position yourself with those systems to accelerate for the add-ons, right? Growing the revenue number, growing the EBITDA number, And if your core system at the at the back is not ready, then you could end up uh, getting ahead of yourself with respect to new acquisitions and they're not going to be able to integrate well. And you're going to have disparate. uh, You're going to have disparate systems that don't talk to each other and are not positioning you for that final um, that final sale. And so that final step obviously is that selling at high multiples. And we know that as we look at companies in the PE space, if the group is not integrated, and if they're not innovated by uh, technology and business process and automation, especially, that they're not gonna get those high multiples. They're not gonna be differentiated in the marketplace on their products. and, um, uh, And they're just not gonna realize in the timeline that is really important for PEs to move on to the next opportunity.
1: Got it, wow, Um, lot to unpack there, Um, especially when you're thinking about the, the emergence of the tactical execution points with, how does this play into the overall strategy at the fund level, right? Not just at the company level. Steve, to add to what Dan just said, you have a great recent example of how a private equity funds portfolio company really used both strategy and and tactical execution items um in advancing its its operations would you describe that company you're helping right now sure thing Cameron Uh, we are working with a PE fund portfolio company
0: that is in the aerospace industry we had some pre-acquisition work with the PE fund company we delivered an operations due diligence of the target Then after the acquisition, the the target was acting, uh, or the acquired company, was acting on some of the guidance we had gave and had selected an ERP platform for improving business processes. But the acquired company was looking for operational improvements as well and engaged us initially for this. But in discussions, we found there were other areas we could help deliver value including an overall technology strategy, including ERP, IT infrastructure and cloud that would help them with their CMMC, which stands for cyber security maturity model uh, certification. Um, This was going to help them now, but also our plans would help them as they scaled in the future. We also helped them implement operational metrics for the shop floor that would give them the insights for improvements in yield and efficiency, by helping them also keep their eye on the ball of uh, machine capacity utilization. We've been on the ground for almost a year and expect to continue in our fractional capacity into next year.
1: That's terrific, Steve. It sounds like part of the digital strategy there is really to create value at the portfolio company level, which absolutely rolls up to the fund level. Let's talk more about value creation and ROI. Nita, how can a middle market private equity fund look at digital strategy as more of an EBITDA generator and not so much of a cost center?
2: So so the key to actually think about this is that these are everything that we're going to be suggesting. And you've heard Dan speak and Steve speak that all we are thinking about is how to help the company actually achieve high returns. which so, so let's take more specific examples around this. Why do we say this? is So a way a company can actually increase its revenues is either organically or inorganically. Inorganic is through acquisitions, right? So where we talk about is where, what are the digital strategy that comes about in that uh, we actually look at the existing systems that they have, the existing processes that they have. As they look to do in additional add-on acquisitions, do you have the right technologies in place that will that you're able to effectively integrate the new companies that you acquire the processes can they be seamlessly integrated and if you do not do this the Possible. There's a very real possibility that you will not be able to achieve the kind of returns that you had hoped to as a result of the acquisition. If you look at statistics that show that 70 to 90% of deals actually fail and don't achieve the value that's expected because of the fact that not enough attention is paid to this. Then on the when you're talking about inorganic growth, which is making how you actually operate more efficient, there again, we again focused on top line growth. How do you serve your clients more efe- efficiently, which was how do you go to market? Can you use technology to maybe expand how you are actually getting more clients, reaching out to clients that you were not able to get before? or maybe get them, you know, basically do them cheaper than you were able to, instead of having salespeople going, you're using digital methods to be able to to get to them. Then how you're making your processes much more efficient. How do you make your people and give them technologies that would make them much more efficient? And then how you operate. So anything that we're doing when it comes to a digital strategy is very much focused on improving your top line growth and then improving your bottom line, which is basically improving your margin. So it's very much EBITDA-driven.
1: Yeah. Um, Dan, same question. Your thoughts on cost versus return?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's interesting when we do our, our diligence activities and we take a look at IT, and, and most of these companies, of course, in the PE space, are coming in at a minimum of like 3 million of, of EBITDA, maybe a little lower in some cases, but you know, they're 20, 30 to $60 million companies, mom and pop shops that are needing to be professionalized. Uh, that's a, a key uh, market area for us in the middle market that we see time and time again. And when we look at those groups, we often see a very fractured uh, vision for the application of technology. Uh, they have gutted it out, made it happen, uh, but systems really aren't uh, integrated well. They're not automated well, and we also see budgets that are ranging in the two to three percent of revenue. Sometimes even like you know down to like one and a half, two, one and a half moving to two percent. And if you look at at companies that are excelling uh, in the application of technology to innovate their business. And make things you know more automated, less errors, less waste, and so forth. the The range is more like eight uh, percent, like that's the average. And if you're a software company, you know, driving um, new software products to the market, you can go as high as like twenty percent that you're spending on IT and technology to drive your business forward. Well, you know, for a twenty million dollar company, that's one point six million in IT spend. And so uh, the PE companies need to be aware that. To take it to the next level, you're going to have to spend in this space, and so you can have that sense for the 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 cost, the cost center, but the returns are significant. The multiples that we see uh, for companies that have their act together, and I think of one, you know, in particular, just it was a product company, um, you know, a product company going direct to consumer. They were uh, shaking things up uh, in the industry in doing that because there was typical uh, middlemen. And other retail distributions for their product, but they were able to, with technology um, and systems and digital marketing practices, um, they were able to circumvent all of that and go direct to the consumer and and shipping either for themselves or shipping through Amazon, Amazon and so forth. And the multiple for that company, you know, on uh, on acquisition was strong. I mean, it was it was very strong because of very strong digital. Uh, oriented digital marketing practices and so forth. But on exit, it was extraordinarily strong. Um, uh, Very, very high multiples because of what they were doing and the investment they had made, both in the digital marketing side, but also then in the optimization of their core systems and the ability to move out into other markets as I was just talking about. And this, this principle of automating uh, it definitely drives down cost. Uh, it definitely drives down and drives out waste and errors. I can think about that even uh, in in law firms today, more and more robotic process automation that's removing errors in their work and then cutting down on uh, uh, claims for negligence because they didn't file on time or they didn't get the right data in the right form uh, properly. This is a ultimately a significant uh, impact on top line. It's going to be a, a Oh, sorry, a significant impact on the bottom line, and um, ultimately in this PE context for multiples on exit.
1: Thank you, Dan, Steve. That specific you know instance you mentioned the the aerospace manufacturer similar to Dan. How is that client looking at ROI?
0: Sure thing. I talked about our operational effectiveness engagement that led to our broader fractional executive CIO COO role. Uh, During the OE engagement, we baselined machine utilization and process yields and used that to provide two different perspectives. The first, which is purely uh, cost savings opportunities for improving yields and reducing overtime. The second, which in my experience many companies want to treat as upside because it can be difficult to realize without specific realizable growth targets, but it's the additional business opportunity from the improvements to capacity. Depending on the maturity of the business, sometimes the cost improvements can be enough to cover the investments. So the growth through freed capacity truly is gravy. Other times, however, the growth factors into the ROI. In the case of the current customer we were discussing previously, we were able to justify investments with the operational improvements to yield and productivity.
1: Thanks, Steve. It really is interesting to hear about middle market private equity, looking beyond acquisitions and increased sales to go a few layers deeper into value creation, especially coming out of 2021, where we witnessed a record year for private equity transactions. And now that heightened volume of activity may certainly generate heightened integration and return pressures. Back to the private equity report mentioned, one of our crystal ball predictions for 2022 and beyond is that we're going to see an increase in how middle market private equity funds really start looking to digitalization and optimization at the portfolio to generate better returns, not just for the company and the fund, but the funds, investors, and LPs as well. Crystal Ball predictions from the group?
2: Nita? Wouldn't that be wonderful if we were so accurate that we knew exactly <laughs> where things are going to yes. be? <laughs> so I would say that We will continue to see a lot of middle market private equity activity and as we've talked about this certain industries are much more prone to it because the whole thing with the pandemic continues to accelerate the pace of change and we and i think as you mentioned the article we talked about that like healthcare being one of them but and industrial being the other especially with the whole thing of the, the passing of the the infrastructure bill but you're absolutely right what we see happening in in 2022, will probably be a balance between the two, where private equity will continue to invest in the really the sectors that are transforming really rapidly, where there's huge opportunities. But at the same time, to they will the there's been so much acquisitions that have been done that they will they probably need to shift some of the focus to make sure that the companies that they acquired are have actually are are basically optimized and digitally transformed so they are able to achieve the kind of returns that they would like at the earliest so that they can then you know exit you know exit at at, at a quicker time frame than they might have been able to so we think that's going to be the balance between the two
1: gotcha dan
3: yeah that's a that's a great question uh, cameron the the thing i think is going to be pressing on on private equity, especially with the uh, you know, so many deals having been done in twenty 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 one, is more of a press, you know, on those portfolio companies to get the return. It it is a significant uh, thing to say, you know, the majority of the deals that are done never achieve their deal thesis impact because of slow start, you know, limited resources, poor execution. Uh, they're not thinking about innovating uh, and automating, so. I, I foresee a uh, strong focus uh, from our PE customers uh, asking us to come in and optimize and optimize and then help help to identify areas of outsourcing uh, are also important. You know there's back office functions. IT is certainly one of them in traditional forms, but even accounting and finance offices um, are also in traditional forms, not necessary as a strategic differentiator for the company in the market. And I see that those uh, those activities are going to uh, occur more and more and then integrate and integrate uh, with data giving you uh, perspective. So for example, uh, leveraging again, outsourcing and getting best in class solutions that are driving insights for you about your customers, how people are coming to your web presence or how they're ordering online, um, how you're integrated to your supply chain Uh, where you're using best-in-class HR management systems and so forth, Uh, I see uh, a lot of work uh, for us, which is great, uh, but also a a strong emphasis from the PE customers asking to say, we want that value creation, and um, who can we ask for help? (laughs) Please give us a call.
1: Thanks, Dan. And um, Steve, if you'll wrap it up for us.
0: Yeah, I see a ton of value out there to create. Um, When we think about... uh, the transition of this generation, the mom and pops uh, retiring, maybe, um, you know, selling their businesses and um, the opportunity in those businesses. uh, They may be old line businesses, but there's still opportunity. Um, And really, at this stage, a lot of those companies have undervested and underinvested in technology. And so um, you may find this hard to understand, but it's a big advantage today that that underinvestment because the, the early adopters probably way overspent on technology, and one of the things we've seen in, in technology is uh, with the the use of the internet and uh, improvement in uh, all the different facets of technology is is a uh, an improving uh, price point uh, to where um, we can bring these technologies at a much more effective rate than ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and and much richer technology um, that is able to. Uh, you digitalize the, the the business process, but also bring data to the operations environment, where uh, in real time uh, operators can act on it and uh, change behavior, right? Uh, which leads to better yields and and uh, productivity. So there's a huge opportunity here.
1: Huge opportunity. Agreed. Well, thank you, Nita, Dan, Steve, for joining me here today. This is a topic that I really enjoy discussing with you and with our clients and only see it continuing to evolve. So thank you. And thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Drawdown. Again, I'm Cameron Smith. And from all of us at Cherry Beckert, we wish you well. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to The Drawdown, Cherry Beckert's private equity podcast. The views presented by our guests do not necessarily represent the views of their respective firms. For more information on how Cherry Beckert serves as a guide forward to private equity funds and their portfolio companies through accounting, tax, and advisory services, please visit CBH.com.